Welcome to the Real Better Life podcast, where people that are writing stories worth telling share their knowledge, wisdom, and perspective to help you go further, faster as you move to your better life. Over to your hosts, Dave Ness and Rob Alkema. Okay, welcome to episode nine of the Real Better Life podcast. I am joined by a record-setting group of guests today. This is the first time that we've had multiple guests on, and we, we have not only more than one, we have four. We have four guests joining us today. We have Brian Harbin, Colby Harris, Christian Cosper, and Kevin Butler, who are all part of Grit University. And the topic for today is grit, which I know I told you this, Brian, when we were trading texts and emails before we launched this, is like, this is one of my favorite topics. I love it. And it's so appropriate for the audience and the intent of our podcast. So with no further ado, let me introduce our, our guest today. And a um, couple things to check out as we're kicking off here. Go check out grit.org. That is the company's website. And also check out the grit.org podcast, which I had listened to a couple episodes before. I think I had, I had listened probably about a year ago, Brian, to your introductory episode, which was really cool. And then it had been a while since I um, went and listened to an episode. So I, I listened to, I think, the most recent episode with Bob Warren as your guest speaker. So great job on the podcast, guys. And if you guys have not checked out grit.org podcast, go check that out as well. So let me give these guys a, a quick introduction. And I'm going to read their introduction off the website. You guys can go learn more about Grit Camp, Grit Club, Grit University on their website. And I would highly encourage you to check that out. It is a phenomenal website. But um, before I do that, Brian and I have some history. So, so we go back a ways. We met in the insurance business. Brian, I started in insurance in the fall of 2010. And, um, you know, you had already been there for several years and, and you were already a big deal while I was a nobody. And then, um, you know, over the years, we got to work more and more closely together as, as I moved into a leadership role and, uh, met Kia. We got married. You know, we were part of the, the legacy vision team together. We grew up around a lot of the same mentors and a lot of the same peers. And, uh, Remind me again what year you left the insurance business. So I started in 2006 and technically left in 2020. You know, started working on Grit before then, but um, officially left in 2020. Yep. And then launched Grit.org right after that. Yeah, so I, I started in 2010 and then I left in 2021. So was there for roughly 11 years total. And um, man, what a great... What a great environment to to grow up in leadership, you know, to put a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today into practice and um, and to build something really amazing that you're then able to walk walk away from. And I know you and I both have the good fortune to still get paid on a lot of the work that we put in for those years in the insurance industry. Even further back than that, while we didn't know each other from the Southwestern Company, Brian and I both did a sales internship in college with the Southwestern Company. And oddly enough, I am partnered with Dave Ness, who can't be on the podcast with us today because he's traveling Europe with his family for a month, which is phenomenal. But Dave was actually the one who recruited you to go sell books back in, golly, what Nin year? 1998. Oh my goodness. Oh, we were still working off rotary phones at that point. Oh, you know, this you is may funny not because have a CD player in your car. <laughs> well, what's funny is I haven't seen Dave in probably about ten years, but I know for a fact if Dave were on this call right now, he'd say, "Man, it's great to hear your voice." Like that was one of his uh, his signature lines. But yeah, 
such fond memories of of getting recruited and getting to live with and work with with Dave. Totally. So it's it's funny. We were we were before we jumped on here. We were reminiscing about how cool is it that somebody that that recruited you into sales for the first time twenty five years ago and and was a mentor of yours and an important person in your life that now twenty five years later here Dave and I partnered together and then you and you and I got to know each other through you know, through our insurance experience and we're both out of that business, but here we are reconnected again with a lot of friendships, a lot of relationships, a lot of principles that we shared in common over the years. And I'm super excited to talk about this topic, grit today. And literally, I don't know anybody better on the planet to teach this than, than you guys. So a little bit more about Brian, just other than the connection that we share as the founder of grit.org, Harbin is determined to spend the second half of his professional career dedicated to teaching life and success principles to current and future generations in order to help them become mentally, physically, and emotionally resilient for whatever life puts in his or her path. And Brian, we've talked about this actually, Ness and I, on a couple previous episodes, and we're going to talk about it more in some of our upcoming episodes. This concept that we stole from Richard Rohr of first half of life, second half of life. So I love that you are very aware of that second half of life and what that looks like for you. A little bit of background on Brian. The first half of his professional career was birthed while he was in college. So as a freshman at the University of Georgia, go Bulldogs, he ran his own business selling educational books door to door. One of the worst jobs on the planet, but one of the best jobs on the planet. (laughs) And he spent over 10,000 hours in face-to-face sales. And his last year in that internship finished number one out of over 2,600 students that year. He simultaneously built a multi-million dollar sales organization of 64 college students that were also doing that internship and became one of the top 10 recruiters in the history of a 140-year-old internship program. Let that sink in for a second. So that is the best of the best. Congrats on that. Brian graduated college debt-free with over six figures saved in the bank and then traveled to over 17 countries and honeymooned in New Zealand with his wife for the first six months of their marriage. Again, let that sink in. Six-month honeymoon. Not bad. (laughs) So he went on to spend the next 14 years building an insurance brokerage firm from scratch with 20-plus agents. And that brokerage firm still to this day generates eight figures in total premium each year. So after amassing over 40,000 hours of face-to-face sales and reaching over a million dollars in personal sales in five different industries, including real estate, and advertising sales. He pivoted his skills to brokering domain names where he closed the 14th largest domain sale of all time with ICE.com. And his firm, GritBrokerage.com, is currently regarded as one of the top three domain brokerages in the world. He has coached over 36 seasons of flag football and basketball and coached the JV tennis team for three years at one of the premier college prep schools in the nation. Brian has been married to his wife, Jennifer, for 16 years. She is awesome. And they have three boys, 15, 10, and 7. Dude, I can't believe your kids are that age. And they currently reside in Jacksonville, Florida. Did I leave anything else out that you want to add, Brian? Nope. Sounds good. Dude, great stuff. What an impressive background. And if I can just add to that real quick, from all the years that that we were in the insurance business and in leadership together, I know every time that I got to spend time with you, I would walk away from our conversations going, man, that guy just thinks about business different than most people I talk to. And um, I feel like I always learn something from you. You definitely have a unique mind for business. Absolutely brilliant. 
I know you care about culture. I know you care about principles. I know you care about helping and serving people and could not have been more impressed with you in the time that, that we were able to work together and um, learned a lot from you during that time. So thank you for that. I don't think I ever got to officially say thank you after I left the insurance business. And then Colby, let me talk about Colby for a second. Colby is the tenured member of the uh, podcast today from Grit University. So Colby was born in Atlanta, Georgia, raised in both a small mountain town of Highlands, North Carolina at an altitude of 4,000 feet, as well as the popular beach destination in Fernandina Beach, Florida. I almost said California there. Did I say the name of that right, by the way, Colby? Yeah, that's right. Fernandina Beach. Sorry about that. All good, man. What a cool background growing up in the mountains and on the beach. And uh, this is pretty cool. Colby is youngest of four siblings and always had a passion for sports, but he really made his mark at a young age in surfing, where from 12 to 16, he did not lose a single contest in his hometown of Fernandina Beach. He was student body president of his high school and has worked as a kayak guide and has started and run two separate business ventures. So after graduating high school in 2020, he came on board as one of the first summer interns at Grit University. And in eight weeks, he helped start and run the very first Grit Camp where he helped lead seven counselors and 206 campers that summer and walked away with a net profit of over $6,000. And he then came back for a second summer and helped uh, run Grit Camp in 2021 where he helped lead 24 counselors and 281 campers in six weeks, finished that summer with a net profit of over $10,000, and then became a full-time staff member at Grit.org. Whenever he is not working at Grit, he can be found working out, surfing, or coaching soccer or flag football. I have had the privilege of listening to the Grit.org podcast, which you co-host with Brian Harbin. And man, just the things you're doing at such a young age, hats off to you, man. I, I can tell you when I was your age, I was not doing nearly as impressive things as what you're doing today. So super excited to have you on as a guest speaker. And then Christian and Kevin are joining us as well. Christian, he is a first-year intern at Grit University, and this is Kevin's second year interning at Grit University. So Brian, what can you tell me about these boys? And boys, what can you tell me about yourselves? So Christian, we've known him for a long time through our church. So we've known him since he was probably, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years old. And, you know, he's an Eagle Scout. He was a college quarterback. I mean, I'm sorry, a high school running back and, and quarterback. And then now he's a, uh, a rising junior at Florida State. And um, he was just one of those guys that we were interviewing for interns. We just knew that we wanted to work with him. You know, Eagle Scout, just really good with kids, very business minded, just a sharp kid. Tried to recruit him last year, but he had Hurt his back in a uh, snowboarding accident, but been super happy to have him working with us. And then Kevin, this is his second summer working with us. He made about sixty, what was it, six thousand two hundred fifty dollars last summer. Kevin, so he is a rising senior at Stetson. He played uh, college football at Stetson. You can't see it from the uh, the video, but he's about six five. Uh, he's a big dude. Played offensive line. And those those are big shoulders. They don't even fit into the camera view. (laughs) That's right. But yeah, so he's done a great job with us this summer. And yeah, so he's from Ponte Vedra, not too far from here. Yeah. Very cool. Well, as we launch into this, I know one of, one of the questions I had for you, Brian, was how do you guys define grit? And how did you first get passionate about this topic? And maybe a good place to start is, um, Christian and Kevin, if you guys can talk a little bit about, how would you define grit 
And what has this concept meant to you as, as interns at Grit University? And then we can pivot right over to Brian. And Brian, you can give us a little bit more history on how this whole organization evolved and, and came to be what it is today. Yeah, so grit to me definitely means mental, physical, and emotional resilience. That's something that we really hammer home with the kids at camp and something that I definitely have learned a lot from Brian. And I think that being the new kid on the block, the other two interns both have been sort of established here or understand the routine a lot better than I do. So I definitely understand the side of it that having to use grit in my everyday life over the summer, just getting used to a different type of lifestyle with a lot more structure and a lot more, um, a lot more need for focus on a, uh, on a daily basis. Um, Very cool. I don't know about Kevin coming back, but they're really good uh, examples to learn from. Cool. Kevin, what's it been like for you going through one summer and then coming back for a second summer? I'm sure that's a big transition for you. Yeah. So interestingly enough, this second summer has been awesome. I'm, I've already crushed my sales goal and now we're working on a new business venture, Grit Consultants. But back to the definition of grit, to me, grit is the tolerance against suck. Like how much suck can you take? Like, when things get hard physically, mentally, emotionally, how, how much can you tolerate? And building that is what grit is and it's what we're about. Love that. Love that. So what, what does grit look like on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis when you're interning at Grit University or you're doing grit camp? So the mornings start off 5 a.m., wake up. Then we go work out, whether it be fight fit, CrossFit, or we go to LA Fitness and get a nice workout in. Then we come back, eat breakfast, and by 7.30, we're out of the house on our way to JU to run grit camp. Nice. Um, and then we run grit camp from 8 to 2, dealing with kids all day. And you know how messy that can be with three of your own. But <laughs> but then the afternoon, we get into sales, marketing, sponsorship has been really, really imperative for our business this year. And then we finish the night with dinner by like six o'clock. And then we have a nightly routine of reading, meditating, journaling. And right now I'm reading um, Seasons of Life. It's so good. So good. So when you guys talk about sales, you talk about sales goals, or or we talk about some of these sales metrics from, from past summers for you guys. What is the sale that you guys are making? So right now we're working on obviously getting kids to camp and how we can advertise and and get more kids to camp. But the other side of it is serving the underprivileged kids of Jacksonville. And how can we do that? And what we came up with was calling on local businesses to sponsor kids. So what my first two weeks this summer have entailed is me calling local businesses and CEOs and people high up that have the power to sponsor a kid and and making that sale and pitching them what we do and how it's going to benefit the future generation of employees that they're going to hire one day. Dude, that's awesome. So part of it is, is camp enrollments, right? And then part of it is also sponsorships so that you are able to serve those underprivileged individuals that you can get to camp. Dude, I love that. So then if I'm a kid coming to grit camp, what does that look like? I mean, 8, 8, 8.30 drop off, you got some free play. Then 9 a.m., we immediately get into it. We divide up into our groups, usually by age slash skill level, depending on who's there that week. And then we do two sessions of sports. So whether it be 
basketball, football, kickball. We've a hit this summer has been tennis, baseball. And the kids don't really like wiffle ball, so we're like, how can we do it? So I've got a tennis racket and a tennis ball, and we just go ham. But after that, we go to lunch. And then after lunch, we go watch a motivational movie, things like Remember the Titans, McFarlane, USA. And then we also, what I think is really cool is we bring guest speakers to come speak at camp. And whether that be an athlete or a successful entrepreneur, like today we just had Garrett Scantling. If you don't know who that is, he's a world-class Olympian. He's regarded as the seventh best decathlete in the world. Mm, that's so good. I thought, and is camp a week long or is it multi-weeks? Week long. Uh, okay. It's a pay per week. And then yep. it's, we run eight weeks throughout the summer. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing all that. And um, Harbin, can you give us a little bit more background? Like I've known you for a long time, dude. And um, I know you're a voracious reader, just like I am, just like Ness is. And I know I loved the book Grit by Angela Duckworth the first time I got my hands on a copy of that. Was that what really launched this fascination with Grit or does it go deeper back than that? It actually goes further back. And I, I do want to mention too, just give these guys some props. So, you know, on the sales side, because Grit University is really designed about giving them real world experience about what it's like to run a business and all the day-to-day operations. But I really wanted to add a sales piece to it. And so calling on local businesses was great because they get the experience, but also those businesses can get involved in the community. These guys have raised this year, Rob, we're at $25,000 that they've done in sales. Kevin got a $5,000 one uh, two weeks ago. Christian just got a thousand last week. Colby actually did a bike ride, uh, which you can probably tell you about here in a little bit, going from Jacksonville to Fernadine, 100 miles, and uh, that raised a substantial amount of money. So we're learning that piece along with the business side. And so this year, we'll have close to 100 underserved kids in Jacksonville be able to go to camp cost-free, which is a really big deal. We partner with a number of different organizations that help in schools that help kind of supply us with that. But Actually, I'll go back to, there was a book that my parents got me for Christmas. It's called How Children Succeed. And in this book, they talk about the word grit. And Rob, it was like one of those light bulb moments because, you know, like you said, I've been reading a lot for a long time. And my wife and I always knew that we wanted to do something involving pouring into young people just the same way that we had somebody like Dave Ness pouring to me when I was 18 years old. And when I saw that word grit, I'm like, this is, you know, because I'd been recruiting for a long time up to that point, met and worked with a lot of people. When I saw that word, I'm like, this is exactly the word to describe what I've been looking for out of people to work with, to hire. And I'm like, that's the word. And it really kind of became an obsession in terms of just learning as much as I possibly could. And it was like every book that I read somehow something came back to grit and and just the importance of it and it really being kind of that that skill that really is like a, a mental muscle that you can improve that's just going to help you lead a happier, healthier life. So then it just became about, okay, well, what's a formula to be able to help people build this grit at a much younger age? And I think there's so many incredible organizations out there to help people overcome previous challenges in life you know, as you know, we started to teach a lot of these principles that even in your 20s, if you're learning it, you're ahead of the curve. But we're like, okay, well, what if we start teaching these principles even younger? 
you know, starting at age six, seven, eight. And because uh, even once kids age out of camp, you know, we have 63 kids at camp this week and we have 20 counselors, right? So we have a whole class of what we call junior counselors that are kids that have just aged out of camp that earn 120 service hours over the course of four weeks. And then they start getting paid after that. And then we have our paid counselors and we have our interns. They get the, uh, these guys here get the weekly salary, plus they get profit sharing. So they have the opportunity to make substantial amount of money for the summer in addition to invaluable life skills. So, but yeah, really just came from that book, you know, how children succeed. And, and really I started reading everything I possibly could on, of course, uh, Angela Duckworth's book was in there, but there's just a lot of other books too that tie in like the rise of Superman and different books to talk about flow. The talent code is such a big part of kind of how we operate because the way I see it, it's like, you know, that, that secret family recipe that's been, been around for decades. Right. And it's like that one ingredient that if you don't have it or if you're missing, it's just not quite the same. And so I feel like when you're kind of creating this type of environment, it's about trying to get all those ingredients together because it's not really just one thing, just like with grit. It's not really just one thing. It's really a combination of all of those. And so that's kind of where we have the Grit Creed. So if you go to gritcreed.com, you'll kind of see like the 12 principles that we really hammer home with these kids at camp and really, you know, bake into what we do at Grit University. Yeah. What what year was that that you picked up that book, How Children Succeed? I want to say it was probably 2015. Okay. So, you know, as you know, in the insurance business, we had a lot of what we call windshield time, you know, time in the car. <laughs> and right. I just was thinking like, you know, my mind, I built it, you know, years and years before we even started it. But yeah, just thinking about what it all was going to look like and, and how it all fit together. So that's awesome. Well, and it's funny because I have not, I wrote down that title because I have not read that. I think I've heard you talk about that book before, but just never picked up a copy. Uh, but I remember the first time that I read Grit by Angela Duckworth, I had a similar reaction that you did where it was like, oh my gosh, this is, this puts language and understanding around something that I knew for a long time, but just couldn't really pinpoint. Like this is the common denominator of people that are successful. And it's, it's funny. That's, that's another good one. I didn't even think of that till now, but the common denominator of success. Um, if you have a chance to go look that up online, you can probably find a PDF, but the main principle of that that article is that the number one thing that makes people successful is this quality of, of making it a habit to do things that unsuccessful people don't like to do, right? And um, talk a little bit more about, there's a lot of different directions we could go, but talk about what grit is and then how did you get from reading these books and being fascinated with this concept and doing all this research to then taking it and putting it into practical application with what has ultimately become Grit University. But it's like, man, you got, you've got several different arms of this organization now, but that is not how it started. So walk us through the evolution of, of what Grit University, Grit Club, Grit.org is today. Yeah, so really it started with Grit University was kind of the initial concept of like, okay, Obviously, we talk about you and I sold books, and it was such a big part of who we were. But I really started thinking about, okay, well, would I want my kid to sell books? And it's like going door to door, you know, nowadays is is a little bit different now than it was even 20 years ago. And right. but I also knew I'm like, man, there's you don't have to travel 600 miles away to learn those principles. The other thing I found too that was kind of a disadvantage for me 
doing that every summer is I would go become like a legend in this town that I lived in because I literally knew everybody that I sold books in, but I would never go there ever again for the rest of my life. And it was like I had a disadvantage in the fact that I never really got connected wherever I lived, my hometown, my community. And I felt there was such a missed opportunity there. So I'm like, well, if you can take that, those two experiences and kind of mold them together. But I also knew through my time with insurance and and because selling books was 80 to 85 hours a week, which is is a lot different than the real world where you have, you know, married with kids and you want to be able to work out and, and have a healthy diet and everything else. So it was really about combining those two in terms of just having a good schedule, reading, meditating, journaling, being around positive people, getting involved in the community, helping the next generation. And so, yeah, it just started with grit and getting the grit headquarters and figuring out, okay, well, we've got to have two interns. We found Colby and, and Dylan. And at that point, we really just needed to find a business that, that we could run. And kind of similar to like selling books, like where college student has credibility selling educational books because they've been in school for so long. I'm like, well, what is what else does a college student have credibility with? And most people have been playing sports for a long time at that age. So running a camp and I'd been coaching for a while and I knew a lot of different parents and you know, we had a facility with my kids' school. And as grit would have it, right? Because it was summer of twenty twenty and we we decided on the summer camp. Mm. And then of course COVID hit. So yeah. two weeks before the very first week of camp, we had two kids that had signed up for camp. And uh, we ended up having 206 kids come through camp that summer. So kind of birthed out of uh, the wreckage of, of what was COVID at the time. And then it just became a matter of kind of that mentality of every day we wanted to make it 1% better, right? Of just, okay, how do we take this to the next level? And it was all these little things along the way that just really kind of that collective effort with Colby and the other interns and of the grit combine and, and different things that we started to develop. And then when Colby came on full time, you know, we're talking about having guest speakers at camp. We're like, well, it makes sense to get these recorded and flip this into a podcast. And then, you know, so really I think just one of the things that really helped me personally kind of was just being dialed into what we were doing at the moment, really just kind of that mentality of being fully present. Cause I would say this too, that meditating for me was something that really was transformational in terms of just being fully present and with whatever hand you're dealt, just making the most of it and and running with that. And so just being able to pivot and being creative and just being collaborative, I think that's one of the things too that that these guys, like that's a big part of just, hey, this is one big collaborative effort. So I think that's really helped us kind of get to where we're at at this point. And that's so good. Colby, what, what would you add to that in terms of just four years? I mean, obviously a lot has, has evolved over time. Yeah, I mean, it's been a very interesting story with so many ups, downs, sideways, you know, we're just all over the place. You know, we're laughing about me and Kevin are looking at each other. He's talking about tennis, baseball. You know, you're asking what can the kids expect? You never know. It might be a, a broken window one day like we had last week. Accidents happen at camp. Accidents happen amongst the business. So I would say the biggest thing, just like Brian said, is we came into it in 2020 with the mentality of 
we wanted to offer a space for kids to get back to normal life because that was the number one thing that was on our mind is that, you know, not only were we feeling the effects, but can you imagine what COVID was like for a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, a nine-year-old locked up at home without being able to go outside? And from there, it became an opportunity to not just have the kids there, but like, how do you really run a summer camp that's memorable? Like, I think everyone can remember the same way you guys talk about Dave Ness is the same way I talk about people that impacted me at a young age. And yet now even to Brian and some of our podcast guests and people I've met in the community, how do you leave that lasting impact on someone through our summer camp? So then it became, let's create elements that make it special. Let's create elements to make it different. And from there, it became a constant battle of let's try to see what we can do to make it fun. Cause obviously we want the kids to come back, but I also, how do we drill home these principles, help them understand the grip creed, help them lead by example, do a lot of these things that we really talk about and build the company off of. So outside of that, it was just really consistency, like make camp fun, help drive home the mission and then remain consistent and all the dominoes would fall in place. So good. One thing you said there that, um, I think is worth pointing out when you, when you talk about how to make this fun, I know you're talking about that through the lens of how do we make this fun for kids that are going through the camp, but there's a whole different aspect to this of, of what you guys do to run the camp, both working with the kids and delivering a certain type of experience, as well as the work you're doing in the background to go do sales and, and the rejection you go through and the workouts you guys put yourself through in the morning. Like, this is not an easy life that you guys have. And, and Brian, one of the things that strikes me is when, when Colby said the word fun, I think back to why do we talk about, you know, this, this experience we had selling books door to door with Southwestern. It's one of the worst jobs I've ever done in my life, but also one of the best things I've ever done in my life. And I think what was fun about it was when you got to build relationships with other people that were willingly doing something hard. Right, willingly doing something that a lot of people didn't want to do or couldn't do. And not only are you doing it, but you're having success at it. That creates a special type of bond with people. And it's, you know, not a coincidence that you and Ness are friends 25 years later. It's, it's not a coincidence that, you know, a lot of us that have become friends during the insurance business still maintain those friendships because you've just gone through something with people that was really, really hard. And so. Talk a little bit about that, the bond and the, and the type of fun. It's a different kind of fun that you go through when you are willingly subjecting yourself to something grueling, hard. There's days you want to quit. On the surface level, it doesn't always look fun, but there's still, there's a, there's a reward and a fulfillment that you get out of that that's different than, um, the fun you get from just playtime. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think these guys do a really good job of just kind of embracing the grind when, we know it, it's time to work, but I think too, we also try and have a lot of fun with it as well. You know, we have our Thursday night dinners that we all look forward to where they will come over, we'll frame all the kids for combines and we get, you know, have kind of family dinner here and, and just things throughout the course of the week, you know. But yeah, we look forward to it. one of the big things that we do, kind of another similar take on the Southwestern tradition is at the end of the summer, we do a, a banquet. So we rent out a room and, and have like a, a five course meal and they have their, their parents and their significant other there. And there's a slideshow from the summer that Jen will put together. And then that's where they get their profit sharing check. And um, so I think, you know, once they kind of go through the whole cycle of like the first couple of weeks physically, we're just exhausted mentally, emotionally, 
And there's that point where you kind of hit that wall living in close quarters with two or three other guys. And, and then of course, you know, with kids, like, as you know, just being a parent of, of three kids, they, they can drive you crazy. And then as a, as a college student that's working with them all day, they learn to understand how to deal with those in the moment. But once they hit that wall and push through it, that's where they realize, okay, this, this is doable, right? So I think being able to go through that and then having a support team there that, you know, with other interns that have been through there before and, and, and kind of fresh blood and fresh counselors that come in each week, I think it definitely helps as well. But yeah, and really the reality of it too, Rob, as you know, it, it's really real life marriage and kids. It's having those little tough conversations. We don't really feel like it. That's the secret to a successful marriage. When you really don't feel like being a good parent, that's when taking the additional one to two minutes to have that instructional conversation with your kids. So it's, they're learning real life applications that I think are going to be tremendously helpful for them long-term. Yeah. Yeah. And no matter, no matter what Colby, Kevin, Christian, whatever you guys go on to do from here, inevitably we, whatever we're doing, we all have parts of what we're doing that we don't love doing, but they still need to be done. And I can't remember who said this, but success is not a natural process. If all we did was just follow what we felt like doing, that's not a recipe for success. Inevitably, there are things that need to be done in order to be successful, whatever your definition of success is. And I think the trick is this quality of of grit where you can get yourself to do things that you don't feel like doing when they need to be done. So what are the things for you guys right now, you know, being at different points in your internship experience, you know, one year, two years, four years into it, what are the parts of, of your day-to-day or week-to-week, the stuff that needs to be done for you to be successful, but it's not the stuff that you always feel like doing? Or what are the really hard parts of what you guys do that you struggle through on a week-to-week basis? I would definitely say at first, at camp, I kind of started to slack off on the reading or the journaling sort of feeling sorry for myself. But you, I always kept coming back because and trying to give 100% because one, you're accountable for all the kids at camp that you're going to every single day. And I'm accountable to Brian also. So that keeps me coming back whether I'm sick or sore. But most of all, I think what I've learned in the past, in the last what week or two, is that I'm accountable to the two guys that are going through the same exact thing that I'm going through. Mm. So learning from them, has really helped me understand that like what they're trying to get out of it is what I should be trying to get out of it too. So that really helps me give a hundred percent every day and helps me go through the same process and do those things like the reading, the journaling, sales calls and stuff and really pick it up in the way that I think is most beneficial to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting hearing you say that if you guys have heard of this book, it's called The Slight Edge. It talks about like reading, journaling, sales calls, while on the surface, those are, those are simple things to do. It's just as easy not to do those things as it is to do them. Right? That's the slight edge is when you can get yourself to do the things that they're, they're simple, but they're just as simple not to do. There's nobody making you do it. It's really interesting. You bring up this word accountability. It sounds like that's a big theme for you guys. Yeah. I think for me, it was more at first, it felt like I was being held accountable. And now it's like I've, I've sort of been able to transition into holding myself accountable instead of being a burden on other people. I've really tried to look at at it through the lens of, look at the entire internship through the lens of building myself up. And that takes a lot of accountability to myself. And I have to kind of take a step back and realize that all these things are put in place 
for me to grow as a person into a future business person or wherever life takes me. And so I think that accountability is a huge part of grit because it, it's really, you have to hold yourself accountable to keep going and keep and that. And when you keep going, that's grit right there, that process. Love it. What about for you, Kevin? Yeah. So there are a lot of things we need to do throughout a day, but it's, there's two things that I do particularly that have kind of helped me not only in sports, which I learned early on playing college football, playing high school football very well. There's two things. It's a mentality shift. You know, things you don't want to do, it's, it's, you have to do those things. It's, it's a non-negotiable. When you get in the mind work and the framework in your head that the things that suck, you have to do them regardless. When you can put your brain in that way, it helps tremendously. And then the second thing I do, which is like a specific strategy, it's called the three, two, one strategy. When there's something you don't want to do, you count down in your head, three, two, one, and then you just go do it. Because the way your brain works is when there's a choice, whether to do something that sucks or not to do it, your brain's tricking you into thinking, oh, well, you don't have to do it. You know, it's, it's, it's not that important. Your brain's tricking you into taking the comfortable route. But when you, when you count down in your head, three, two, one, there's no time for your brain to process the decision making. It's just go. That's awesome. I love that. And I love, I love that point of emphasis there on the habit, right? Cause eventually you do that enough times and it starts to become automatic, right? It starts to become almost subconscious. And then Colby, what would you add to that? Yeah. I mean, these guys are nailing it on the head, especially for what was my first summer and second summer, just to kind of reference something I always say to Kevin Christian. I said it to our intern last summer, Jack Foster is, you have to be very realistic with yourself, right? We have a, a 12 to 14 hour day laid out every day, Monday through Friday. And you have to look at yourself in the mirror at the end of that day and ask yourself, how much did I do right? Right? Did I do 80% of the things right today? Did I do 90% of the things right today? And that's something I really promote to all people. It's like, you really got to have a real conversation with yourself. So I used to gauge similar to what they're talking about now, how many things I did right And more recently, it's just been a shift in mindset of now after summer 2021. So we didn't really talk about, but summer 2021 actually went through the program solo. So Brian and I couldn't find anybody willing to go through the program. Maybe we weren't looking in the right places or maybe waking up at 5 a.m. all summer didn't appeal to any kids these days. However you want to look at it, I did that summer alone and The last two summers have been really, really positive for me just on the sense of leadership. So my job now is to essentially find ways to duplicate processes and replicate who I've become as a counselor, as a Grit University intern, and my role at Grit.org entirely because our business is not built on new customers, so to say, right? It's great to expand the business. But even this morning at camp, I said, raise your hand if it's your first week at Grit Camp. You know, we got 64 kids there and only about eight hands went up. So what we need to do right is, again, back to making sure that these kids enjoy their experience. For us to thrive, we need them to come back, right? Just advertising, just making the sale is 1% of the job. The 99% comes at camp. So really just trying to maintain a level head of when I don't want to do something, 
when I have a chance to have some extra space, it's more so like, let's find somebody that's not on their A game or let's find somebody that needs some help or try to try to go have a conversation with another counselor about what they're going through. Because right now our bread and butter lies within the team. And my job, I feel like right now, above all else, is to make sure that that team is well put together, well prepared, and they have me to look to to follow by example. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that input. Some gold nuggets in there for sure. And then if we shift the conversation a little bit, Harbin, can you talk a little bit about, as I was checking out your website, I, I looked at this grit process that you guys have in place. And there was actually some really cool things in there that I had, I had questions on. But talk a little bit about what is this grit process? And if I'm a real estate agent listening to this, if I'm an insurance professional listening to this, if I'm a pastor listening to this, if I'm an athlete listening to this, and I'm curious about this quality of grit and how do, I, how do I cultivate grit in myself, but also how do I cultivate grit in people around me, whether that's kids, coworkers, team members, you know, people that I'm caring for as, as a leader, a friend, husband, wife, how do we cultivate this in ourselves and other people and talk a little bit about that process? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think it, you know, really is just a culmination of a lot of different things that uh, books and people and experiences and businesses over the years that, but, you know, the first thing for me just started with the Enneagram, you know, going through the Enneagram was, was life changing for me in terms of just, and for those that don't really know what the Enneagram is, it's really just it's a personality assessment and where there's nine different personality types and then you have a wing and, and Rob, you know, there's, there's a lot of those out there in the business world, but this one is, is one of those that it just makes a lot of sense. And, you know, especially for the age that these guys are at the Enneagram, you really are supposed to go through it thinking about your 20 year old self. Right. And so they're really at that age where I think it's just about having awareness of who you are, why you act a certain way, why you're motivated a certain way. And, and just understanding that changes the game, right? Because you notice certain tendencies about yourself. I think, you know, there's certain personality types when they get super stressed, they do certain things. And so again, having that awareness, um, then especially being able to work together. So that's really the, the foundational piece. The next piece, again, is just that schedule these guys are talking about, the sleep, the journaling, the reading, the meditating. So just really getting on a good routine. And then once you kind of get good at meditating, it's kind of the visualization and different things like that about kind of picturing what you want. And then, you know, the, the final piece of it all is, is really just giving back, you know, and I think for me, that's where I'd kind of get to the point where it's like, I feel like true fulfillment can only come if you're doing something that's truly in the service of others. And, um, you know, no matter how much money you make or how successful you become, until that peace is fulfilled, you just won't really ever truly find that happiness. And so I think that's where if these guys can can start to learn that at a younger age of like, hey, you know, you pouring into the next generation, it's not only going to help you, but it's going to give you so much more fulfillment. And I think that's really where a big part of this process comes from is just giving back. So for me, that was a big part of my motivation with this, all this is, I, hey, I want to do for another 18, 19 year old, what Dave Ness was able to do for me. Right. And then, you know, the only ask I have of these guys is that hopefully they'll do the same thing to as many people as they possibly can. And just, um, cause I feel like, you know, there definitely is a recipe here as far as help people lead a, a happy, healthy, successful life. And, and I think the more that we can help instill that in young people, 
it's going to prevent a lot of issues that they might have later on in life and makes it a lot more fun along the way. No doubt. So yeah, let me unpack that a little bit more because you shared a lot of good stuff, but, but we glossed through some pretty important things. You know that I am a huge fan of the Enneagram and, and that is certainly something that we've connected on and something that we used a lot in the past as well. One of the hard parts that I found about the Enneagram, Brian, is that it's a little bit harder personality test to access. And what I mean by that is I can go take a disc profile in 15, 20 minutes and get, and get a pretty definitive result. I can go take a Myers-Briggs assessment in about that same amount of time and get a pretty definitive result. I've used a predictive index in the past. That's about a five or six minute assessment. Well, not only does an initial Enneagram assessment take some time, it takes maybe 20 minutes roughly, but I find that oftentimes from having gone through this personally and then watched people that I've worked with or known work through this, Oftentimes, you know, there's these nine different types and it can be really hard to identify your primary type just at a cursory glance. It's almost like you have to take an assessment, but there's a lot of work that goes into identifying like, okay, what is my primary type? What is my wing? What is my subtype? You know, and then that opens up this whole new world to you. But just just identifying your type in and of itself can be a tough process. And so while I love this assessment, it can also be a little bit challenging because you got to put in some work to really figure out what your type is. And you can't really begin a lot of the other work of the Enneagram until you figure out like, yeah, what type do I identify with and, and what is some of my natural hardwiring? So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so there's kind of an online quiz that I find to be pretty darn accurate 80 to 90% of the time. And then once they have finished that, which doesn't take what Christian, maybe two to three minutes, I think, And then they end up reading a chapter on that specific type, you know, the big blue book. They'll read through that chapter. And so Christian recently kind of took a dive into the Enneagram. Christian, tell us a little bit about your experience with that. Yeah, so the first time that I took the Enneagram, I kind of rushed through it and I like wasn't really focused enough to actually take it. And so I, I went through the whole thing sort of thinking about what the answers I the answers that I wanted them to be, or I would overthink questions and read them through like five times. But the second time I, I took it, I sat down and I was pretty diligent about it. And I found out I'm a type eight wing seven, so the independent. And it's actually funny because all three of us living here are type eights. But I thought it was really interesting because the test itself, it's a lot more specific than other tests. Some of the other, like the Myers-Briggs, I don't know. I mean, other tests that I've taken in psychology class or in high school, I found that you could read any of the sections and think, oh, this applies to me. You know, it just Mm -hmm. shouts out some qualities that are prevalent in most people. And I found that this one was, was very specific to me. And that was sort of when I took it the first time, that's how I was able to identify that I was not the type that I initially thought I was. I think it said I was a seven. And I read through that and was like, hold on, there's no way. And then I kind of took a look back and realized it. But I think the Enneagram has definitely been helpful uh, reading through some of those qualities just to understand yourself and how you fit into an environment and especially how you fit into an environment with other eights and work and improve and can sort of establish yourself in any situation. Yeah, so good. And if I can offer a resource here, hold on, I pulled it up while we were talking. I found this incredibly helpful if, if, um, well, a couple things. The blue book that 
that Brian referenced is called The Wisdom of the Enneagram. You can just go pick up a copy of that on, on Amazon. And there's a website called the EnneagramUniverse.com. EnneagramUniverse.com. If you go check that out, that, that has, like you said, Christian, the, the eight wing seven is, is called the independent. And typically, if you take your results from whatever online quiz you're taking, or there's a quiz at the beginning of the book, there's a lot of different resources out there, but it kind of points you in a direction. And then as you go read, like you said, it says, hey, your primary type is a seven. And if you go read the seven with a six wing description, and then the seven with an eight wing description, like you said, there might be a, um, ah, that kind of sounds like me. There are definitely some parts of it that are true, but it doesn't really resonate. And then Typically, you'll read a certain description and you're like, oh my gosh, it's like they've been reading my emails. Like, how do they know this stuff? And that's usually the dead giveaway, you know, when you get, yep, there's the book. When you get that kind of feeling where you're like, this is scary. How do they know that, that as a four with a three wing, I don't like going to Walmart and I use a specific type of pen? Like, that's a little freaky. So <laughs> that would be my encouragement. Don't just go with the initial result. Like, go put in the work to read the types with the different wings and find the one that really like speaks to your soul. And then that, that opens up this whole new world to launch this journey into the rest of the Enneagram. And then Brian, from there, that's a great initial step to start to understand yourself better. And I know on the website, it talked about, you know, once you, once you nail down your Enneagram type that you identify with the most, there's a question is, is, are there things from your past that are holding you back? Yes or no. Right. And an initial step is, is identifying what those things are and then starting this process of working on them. But pretty early in the process, you really advocate for meditation and journaling. So can you talk a little bit more about what does that look like? And if I'm not somebody who invests a lot of time into meditation or journaling, why is that important? And then how do I access that? Cause I can remember for years, I would hear people tell me like, Oh, you need to meditate. Oh, meditation was a game changer. But I had to hear, hear that for several years before I finally dove into it. And then when I dove into it, I'm like, this is way easier than I thought it was. And I wish I had started doing this sooner. So why is meditation? Why is journaling so powerful? And maybe dispel some of the myths that might be holding people back from doing that as a regular practice. Yeah, definitely. And and I'll touch real quick on your point about if there's anything from your past that's holding you back. I going through the Enneagram, one of I'm type three achiever with the individualist, the three with the four wing, because I know you're a, the uh, a type the, four, I believe. Yeah, we're the inverse of each other, four with a three wing. That's right. And what's interesting about my personality type is so many things that I had done had been very successful in my life up to that point, but my reasons for doing things had been to seek approval from authority, right? And that was a, a wake-up call for me in terms of just, because I came to realize that I'd never really gotten the approval that I was seeking. And and quite honestly, it wasn't ever going to come. So it really changed my motivation in doing certain things. And what's interesting too, as you deep dive into the Enneagram, a type three is at its healthiest when it actually looks more like a loyalist, which is tied to something greater than themselves. And so when I became more, as I became more attached to this idea of grit.org and, and really building it around helping others is where I found myself being at my best. But the big thing for me with, with meditating is there's a, a couple different things. But first of all, you're really, you know, we talk about gripping mental, physical, and emotional resilience. Physically, working out is so important because you just don't feel great if you don't work out. 
there's so many benefits to working out that I, I won't really get into them, but it just, you know, you got to bake that into your day no matter what. But or I define working out as breaking a sweat, however that looks like for somebody, but breaking a sweat. And I always like to meditate right after I work out because, you know, physically my body's ready for it. And mentally your, your mind's not racing as much. And it's just really the way I describe it is kind of like putting your brain in a hammock, right? So just really kind of slowing down. And, and for me, you know, there's always a lot of things going into my mind, going on in my mind that I'm thinking about. So for me, it's even harder, but it also allows you to be able to use breathing to be able to slow your, your mind and body down. And what's amazing is that when you do slow down, it's amazing how much more clarity you get about so many other different things going on in your life, whether it's, you know, a solution to a certain problem or just the fact that you're actually taking the time to give yourself a break, right? Yeah, that's a big thing on the Enneagram that pops up for me every day. I get like one of those little emails about, and it's like, hey, you need to take a break for yourself today. And for me, even that 10 to 15 minutes meditating was that break. And then just physically how you feel afterwards. So, and then, and then as I started meditating, you know, felt good about treating myself well. I'd be like, okay, well, let me build in, let me get a monthly massage or let me start going to get a float once a month. And I found myself treating myself physically and mentally a lot better. And then journaling, the big part of that is really whether it's journaling or for me, I started writing a blog in 2020. That was part of it because I don't really like to write, but I knew it was going to be good for me just to be able to get my thoughts down. And I think writing is such a good form of therapy for so many different reasons where you can either get out certain things that you want to get out, but it also, the more you write something out, the more you're able to clearly kind of process what you're trying to to get to. And so I think the more that you meditate and the more that you journal, you also become a lot closer to figuring out what it is that you were meant to do. And so kind of the more I started meditating and journaling around this whole idea of grit, what the heck was this thing going to look like, the more clarity I got on the day-to-day operations and that next best thing that I should be doing to to help get there. So, So when you're meditating, how long would you suggest somebody needs to meditate if they're first starting out? In order I mean, really, even just 10 minutes. And then I know a big thing for me was when somebody introduced me to an app like Headspace. Like I love mm-hmm. Headspace. Some people like Calm. There's several different apps out there. So what would you recommend in terms of help with meditating if you've never done it before? I would definitely say something more instructional like Headspace. And then, you know, as you get more comfortable with it, you don't really need the voice talking. I mean, I, there's one, Chopra, the guy Deepak that, you know, he'll give you like a phrase and then I kind of like having the music in there as well, but it just, it's all personal preference really. Cool. But even sometimes, you know, they talk about how even going for a walk at night is a form of meditation, which I can agree to that. I, I take my dog for a two mile walk every single night and I have my headphones in, but I'm not listening to anything. It's just my time to just process. So I think just building that into your routine is immensely helpful in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And then journaling can be daunting, right? If you're not in the regular habit of journaling. And again, I know a thing that held me back from journaling more uh, for a lot of years was, I know as dumb as it sounds, am I doing this right? right? Like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. So maybe speak to that for a second. How long do you journal for? And then what's your process around journaling? Are you typically journaling around a prompt 
or a question, or is it just more of just downloading what's in your brain to a piece of paper? Like talk about a, a good process for somebody who's not journaling consistently and how can they access that without it being overwhelming? Yeah. I mean, I would say just getting thoughts on paper, you know, recapping anything that you felt like would have been helpful for the day. I think any good stories from the day, things like that are always helpful. You know, when I traveled a lot, journaling was a big thing that just to remember memories. But I think a lot of times when I journal now, it's kind of more specifically about either specific things that I think will be helpful to remember later on or a certain story or example to share in a teaching moment, that type of thing. So I think just writing, forming the habit of writing things down that that are important to you. Yeah. Well, as we start to wrap up, there were three things I wanted to ask. First one is, what have been the biggest challenges that you guys collectively or individually have had overcome up to this point in this evolution of, of grit.org? Yeah, so I didn't get a chance to talk a little bit about what grit means to me. And I would say, you know, a lot of what this program is designed to do is really introduce you to things that are going to make you better. And what I think grit means is, are you doing these things when life slaps you in the face? Mm. Because after three years now of doing this, working with Brian, I used to describe him as the machine, you know, like Brian was just go, go, go all the time. And I was this 17 year old kid kind of still learning the ropes, but super hungry. So going through that with him, it was like, we go, we do things, we get things done day in, day out. And life gets interesting. You know, the more you grow up, the more you experience things. I've been living alone here the last two years and we we work hard. And I think when you really start to look at what grit means, it's are you doing the things you know you need to do, just like you're talking about, while you've also got family on the side, life, things to worry about that are bigger than a business, you know, real life things that will hold value or really hold hardship in your heart for years to come. So I think navigating that alongside also just the challenges of being in a startup, right? So your personal life and building that grit with yourself, making sure you're doing the things you need to do to take care of yourself. But within the business, having no blueprint is something I've always talked about. Like you're talking with Brian now about how did you come up with this and, and how did it start to come together is how do you take an original concept of we help people build more grit? That's what grit.org does. You have a summer camp, you have an entrepreneurship internship, but to us, that was never the end goal. That was never the cap is like, we have all these markets of people that need these concepts. They need these opportunities to build more grit in their own life. And now it's our job to navigate that and figure out how we can deliver that to people. So I think keeping up with the evolving times, the technology, the opportunities that are out there, the culture of what people are doing, and then trying to, trying to really cater to that and find ways that people are willing to buy in. Like this book concept, but reading, meditating, journaling, working long hours, it's not super sexy to a lot of people. So we're trying to take something that's so traditional, that's introduced to people at 20, 30 years old or more and reapplying it to teenagers and, and young 20 kids in college. So finding the avenues to do that has definitely been the challenge, I would say. I think we've done a great job up to this point, but I think the next chapters, the years to come, that's really what we've been facing and that's what we'll continue to face is what are the avenues that people will accept and then will buy into to really build that grit in their life and hopefully offer a brighter future. Yeah, 
That's awesome. What about for you, Brian? What have been some of the biggest adversities you've had to push through as you've been building this? I think for me, the current struggle is just the fact that it's a lot to put on myself and my family. You know, even just today being up at 5.30, doing a workout, running camp, and I've still got another six, seven hours tonight of getting caught up on my domain business and everything else. And like knowing that I don't have to be doing all this. And a lot of guys my age be like, you know, traveling in Europe with their family for the summer or spending time on the golf course, hitting the links. And I mean, all that is very doable, you know, putting my wife and kids through, through this, but at the same time, so I'm like voluntarily taking all this additional stuff on. So at the same time though, I also know five, 10, 15 years down the road, looking back, it's like, this is where I feel like I get my enjoyment from is pouring into that next generation. And yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really hard. And there's going to be times where I'm just exhausted and tired and question about, should I keep going? But I, and I genuinely believe that every town in America needs a great university and a great camp. And I think the vision for this and, and what's possible is it's revolutionary in terms of just the impact that, that it makes. I mean, Jen and I, we, uh, how often we see the even just the ripple effect in our own community of of how this is and and again it's my biggest thing to remind myself all along is that this is not about me right this is all about the collective effort and the fact that you know when we all kind of combine forces what's possible and i think just being a part of that makes it all worth it and there's absolutely i mean every day can be a grind with just the the million different things that are going on and trying to juggle. But I think just doing it for a larger purpose for me makes it worth it. So I think that's what makes it hard too. And then plus the fact that there's really no blueprint, right? I mean, we try and go with with the next best thing to help grow the company because there's a lot of different avenues to go from here in terms of what's the next best thing. So I think that's constantly a type of thing that I'm thinking about of like, okay, well, where can we go next with this? How do we get this to that next level? phase of what's possible because I know what's possible and that we can get there, but I don't know exactly the the clear path for that, you know, and so collectively that's something that we're trying to figure out every day and, and see where it takes us. That's so good. So the second thing I wanted to touch on is as we look at celebrating where you've been and what you've already done, what are the things that that you're most proud of? And maybe share with us a really good grit story from your experience so far. I would say there's just little moments. Jen and I, there was a, a family that they had just redone their house and they're giving us a tour and they take us into their kid's bedroom and the kid has one shelf on their wall. And at the top of that shelf is their grit combine certificate from grit camp. Things like that. You know, a mom sent us a video that her daughter for talent show last year, the poem where if the kids memorize it, they get a fanny pack. At the, uh, which is a big deal because all of our counselors were fanny packs to keep our stuff in. And it was the man in the arena. And so this girl's her talent show goes up there and rehearses the man in the arena. And so there's just all these little moments in, in life that happen where it's like, those are the constant reminders of like, okay, what we're doing is really, really cool. And it's impacting a lot of people. And so for me, those are, you know, again, what makes it worth it. And there's just so many of those. I know these guests can share it. I mean, when Colby biked the 100 miles and, you know, I'm riding behind him in the Jeep and, you know, Colby's just 
going all the way to Fernandina and back. And then we get about two miles from headquarters and we do a detour and go by the kids' school. And, and Rob, there was 300 kids standing outside the school chanting, Colby, Colby, Colby. <laughs> and I mean, again, it was like tears were welling up in my eyes because it's like, you know, the inspiration that comes from what these guys do and uh, the impact that they make. And, you know, whether it's Kevin showing up at a random Saturday flag football game in the fall and these kids just super excited to see, oh, here's a guy that, that cares. He's showing up when he doesn't even have to. And and um, so, again, I think it's all those types of moments that, that really show it's just all worth it. Yeah, that's awesome. Does Colby, Kevin, Christian, one of you guys have a cool grit story you can share? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know Colby's smiling for this reason, but <laughs> I mean, to me, it's all about relationships. And my mentor, Adam Silva, who I brought onto the podcast with Brian and Colby, nailed that through our heads in high school playing sports. And all the kids I've met, obviously furthering my relationship with Colby and Christian and Brian. I've known Colby since we were in sixth grade, got disconnected when he moved to Fernandina. And then I reached out when I saw the internship. But what was most rewarding is the relationships. You know, when a kid's saying at the end of the summer, hey, I wish you guys were my brothers, mm-hmm. that really like touches your soul and speaks yeah. to levels that you don't get at a typical internship. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I was going to say real quick too, Rob, talking about the cycle of grit, just to, to talk about culture again a little bit and, and the lack of blueprint or, or just an idea of what the mission is, the kind of pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I got that crazy idea one day and I call Kevin and the first thing he, he says is he just dies laughing. He says, I think you're crazy. Like you're going to go ride a hundred miles and, and have sponsors pay for it. And, and we're going to raise a, a ton of money. I'm like, that's exactly what we're going to do. Same thing with Brian. Brian's just like, dude, what are you on right now? I can't even believe it. And then lo and behold, we go through, I go through two, three months of training. We're up to, you know, 17, $18,000 as we approach race day. I've got this custom biking suit, $5,000 bicycle, and, and we're off to the races. And that by the end of that day, you know, I had done a hundred miles at about $200 a mile, raising close to $20,000 in a day that was going to be used for kids like Kevin's talking about now that come from underserved communities that need us more than anyone could ever imagine. I mean, I don't know you personally, Rob, I don't know your background, but I know all of us on this call today on this podcast had people that were really looking out for us. And it's scary to know that there's kids out there that five, six, seven, up to teenage years, they don't have someone to lean on. They don't have someone to act as a positive example. So to just find these ways that we can make things happen, you know, the cycle of grit was just a a really awesome thing that we did to raise the money. But as a company, I think it was really cool to see that we're flexible. We do what needs to be done and, and we're willing to find the avenues to make that happen. Yeah, good stuff. So last thing I want to wrap up with is what's next for you guys? What are you most excited about moving into the future? Yeah, I'm just excited about growing this thing. You know, like I said, I I truly believe that every town in America needs a grit university and a grit camp. And I think um, every day is getting us closer to that. And I think uh, excited to see where things go. And yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, 
I definitely agree. I think that we're we're finding the secret sauce with what Brian created. And I think what he's always kind of described to me is he needs his team. He needs some guys to really help him push this out there and make it cool. Like I say that all the time. It's like what we're trying to do is make these things cool, right? Where it's cool to work out. It's cool to eat good foods. It's cool to read and meditate and journal. It's cool to go give back and sit with the kid that has no friends at lunch. So what I'm most excited about is just continuing to find these avenues. I mean, I think me and Brian have had a lot of fun throughout the year. Uh, like I said, working with Brian full-time, we've had a lot of fun the last two years, just constantly seeing what we can do, really pursuing it with when, we, when we're full set on something and just continue to find these avenues that we can impact people. I mean, there are so many good opportunities that we can really be day-to-day a part of these kids' lives. So I think taking great camp, taking great university all across the country, and then finding ways that we can offer something to anybody and everybody from four to 84 and helping them build more grit in their life. Awesome. That's a great place to wrap up. And um, it strikes me that there are probably some people that are listening that are going to be touched by this. And if you want to find out more, obviously go to grit.org. But also you can email Brian at brian at grit.org. Colby, what's your email? Colby at grit.org, C-O-L-B-Y. I figured, I figured it was. Yep. Simple. Same um, for everybody. And, yeah, I want to leave you guys with, with something that I pulled from your website, Harbin, is when I go to the About Us and, and I click on What is Grit, one of the lines that I read in there that, that I think is powerful is when you talk about mentorship, it says, what good is all you are learning if you have no one to share it with? Right. And, and that's just the God honest truth is you said it, Colby. I mean, we've all had unbelievably impactful people in our lives. I, I know, you know, Brian, you and I have a lot, a lot of them in common. We also have some that are very different, but here we are standing on the shoulders of giants and we would not be where we are today had it not been for some pretty unbelievable leaders and some mentors and some people who believed in us and saw some things in us that, that we didn't always necessarily believe in ourselves. And, and they pointed out things. That, that we didn't see about ourselves that made us better. So thank God for those people. And then thank God for you guys being those people in kids' lives right now today. So super excited for you guys to expand this mission that you're on. Glad to have had a chance to feature you guys on here. And man, we barely scratched the surface on all the different directions we could have gone with Grit. So lots of resources for you to dig into if you want to learn out learn more about not just the organization, but Grit in general. And we'll copy some of the, the books and the articles and the poems that we talked about into the show notes if you want to dig into those in more detail. So once again, thanks, guys. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate having us on, man. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Anytime. Thank you. All right. Have a good one.